We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to another episode of Faith 168. We pray that the past 168 hours have been blessed by faithfully following Christ and we're glad to get to share another episode with you today. And I'm here with my co-host, Brandon. Brother Brandon, how are you doing today, my brother? Brother, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I believe I can truly say with the psalmist that the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. And I am thrilled to continue our study of this great epistle of James. And we're going to get right into it during this episode. So, if you've been following our podcast for some time, we've been going through this epistle of James, and you know that James has previously discussed true versus false faith, talking about a faith that manifests itself in good works versus a faith that is something just like a claim that really doesn't have any proof. And in this passage of Scripture, he sort of returns to that theme of true faith versus false faith by talking about true wisdom versus false wisdom. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about how wisdom and faith are interconnected as we go through this passage today. And we want to begin, first of all, looking at verses 13 to 16, where he begins to introduce this idea and paint a contrast between true wisdom and false wisdom. Mm -hmm. And I want to begin just by reading. In verse 13, James says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So first of all, consistent with his style of writing, James opens this new section with a question. A very crucial question worth our consideration. And the question in, modern, in a modern translation is basically this. Who is really wise? Who is it that truly possesses true, authentic wisdom? Mm -hmm. James was basically asking his congregation, his readers, to look around and to look at themselves and ask the question, who is truly wise? Am I wise? What does wisdom really look like? And immediately, James doesn't leave any gap here, any space. He answers the question. And he answers it in the remainder of verse 13 by saying, the truly wise person is the one who demonstrates wisdom by their way of life. In other words, if you have true wisdom, the kind of wisdom that God is pleased with, the kind of wisdom which God commands in Scripture, you will show it. And once again, James emphasizes things like works, evidence, and proof of our salvation. As you know, he's warned us over and over about claiming to have faith without corroboration, professing faith in Christ without 
possessing faith in Christ. And he appears to apply those same principles to this question of possessing true wisdom. He says, look, you're going to show wisdom by your good conduct. If you have true wisdom, you're, you're going to prove it by your, your deeds and what you do, not merely by just talking about it. Right. It's not just going to be a claim. It's not just going to be a profession. Wise believers don't merely say, I am wise and knowledgeable. <laughs> I am well-learned and intelligent. You know, you can kind of see how boastful and arrogant that already is. Yeah. But instead, the wise believer shows that they are learned, spiritually mature, and prudent by their conduct. Specifically, according to James here, wise believers will show that they're wise in their treatment of others. And that's why you'll notice James emphasizes meekness or humility here. He says, who's truly wise? The person by his good, good conduct who shows the meekness of wisdom. Right. And I love the New Living Translation of this. It captures the meaning perfectly here. It says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Right. Prove In other it. words, if you're truly wise, then you won't be boastful, prideful, or self-seeking. You know, in other words, you won't talk all the time about how wise you are. That's not true wisdom. You will instead show wisdom by meekness, by humility, mm -hmm. by stooping low to wash other people's feet, as Jesus talks about in the Gospel of John. Right. You'll demonstrate wisdom by serving God's sheep so much and so sacrificially that you come away smelling like one of God's sheep. Right. Um, you'll show it in sacrificing your time, your talents, and your treasures for others, putting them first and being a humble servant. That's what true wisdom is all about. Showing it by our conduct and exhibiting meekness and humility towards others. Right. And this is really uh, rife with benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus even commended this in Matthew 5, 5, telling us one of the great blessings of meekness and humility is inheriting the whole earth. Right. And you really wouldn't think about that with, you know, being a servant, being somebody meek. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Mm -hmm. They are happy. They are satisfied. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Mm -hmm. And we may talk about that in a little more depth later on. But continuing on here, James has already established you know, what true wisdom looks like. It looks like being a servant. Mm -hmm. But now he turns to talking about false wisdom in verses 14 through 16. And this is very helpful, by the way. You know, if you think about it, how can you tell the difference between a straight stick and a crooked one? Well, you lay them beside each other. Put the crooked stick beside the straight one. And that is actually what James is doing here regarding true versus false wisdom. Yeah, He helps us in verses 14 through 16. Helps us understand what crooked and false wisdom looks like. Uh, by laying it out. He's laying it out before our sight in these verses right beside the straight stick of true wisdom that he introduced in verse 13. 
So let's talk about this sin of false wisdom. In verse 14, he says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Now, here's what's interesting about this. He doesn't say anything about claiming you have wisdom. Right. He just says, look, if you want to know what false wisdom looks like, mm -hmm. you need to look no further than your own life and see if any of these vices are present. Mm -hmm. And he mentions two vices here, two sinful, selfish vices that are really detrimental. One is jealousy, the other is ambition. He first mentions bitter jealousy, and that's simply burning with envy and covetousness for what someone has, mm -hmm. maybe their possessions or their privileges or position, maybe their prestige, whatever it may be that has not been given to you. Right. Selfish ambition is similar to this. It is pushing yourself forward to maybe obtain those things that you selfishly desire and possibly at the expense of hurting others or neglecting their real needs. There's a lot we could say about these sinful vices, but it's very clear that what they have in common is that they're self-serving. Right. They're selfish, and they're the very opposite of the servanthood commended at the beginning of this passage. Mm -hmm. In other words, James is saying, look, this is not meekness. This is not true wisdom here. You don't, you don't possess true wisdom if you're all about yourself. If what is most important to you is you achieving your own goals, building yourself up and getting ahead, that's not wise at all. That's just thinking you're wise. That's maybe big headedness mm -hmm. instead of big heartedness. Right. I like that. <laughs> now, obviously such false wisdom here is dangerous. There's a lot of reasons for this, but mm -hmm. James grounds us in two reasons for why it is so dangerous to have this kind of false wisdom. And first he tells us it's dangerous because this kind of wisdom doesn't even come from God. Right. It comes from man. It comes from man's own sinful heart. Mm -hmm. That's why he says in verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Right. Which obviously that implies there is a wisdom that comes down from above. There is a godly good wisdom that comes from the Lord God in heaven. But mm -hmm. this false wisdom that shows up in bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is definitely not it. Definitely not the wisdom that comes from God. In fact, James also says it is earthly. Right. And that's already been clearly made apparent because this false wisdom is wrapped up in earthly things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's concerned about things below, not things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You know, the kind of wisdom that God gives is one that is concerned with these heavenly things, spiritual things. Mm -hmm. And the truly wise person is always thinking about those things, always thinking about how his or her actions pertain to eternal matters instead of earthly ones. And conversely, this false wisdom is concerned with only earthly things. Right. That's why he also says it is unspiritual or natural, mm -hmm. meaning it's all about the physical realm. It's, and it's really not good for anybody's spiritual self. It's not mm -hmm. good for anyone's soul or their spiritual welfare. Right. 
And then lastly, to really stick the knife in, as uh, James often does, mm-hmm. he says that this false wisdom is actually demonic. Yes. Wow. Now, how could this false wisdom be demonic? How, how is it devilish and satanic? Because we may not think about selfish ambition or bitter jealousy being of the devil. Mm-hmm. Well, James makes that very clear from verse 16. Notice what he says. He says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, the two vices he just mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. there will be disorder and every vile practice. Right. He says, if you have this false wisdom, which is manifested in burning with jealousy or selfishly pursuing your own goals, what you're going to end up doing is sowing chaos and disorder and vile practices, which, by the way, happens to be the very thing that the devil loves the most. Mm -hmm. We know from Scripture the devil loves these things. He loves disorder. He loves chaos. He loves disruption and vile practices. Yep. And we even know from the book of Genesis that Satan successfully sowed such chaos in the fall. When he tempted our first parents and they sinned against the Lord God, Satan disrupted the created order and shattered the relationship, the harmonious relationship between man and God. And since he was successful in doing so in creation, he now seeks to do so in God's new creation, which is the church. Right. He wants to sow discord, disorder, and evil among God's people and sever precious relationships between spiritual brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And he does that through this possession of false wisdom that shows up in jealousy and selfish ambition. Now, It's definitely not coincidental that Satan's alluring temptation to our first parents was also false wisdom. Mm -hmm. What does it say in Genesis regarding the tree and its fruit? That the tree and its fruit was desired to make one wise. Mm -hmm. But not in the true sense, not in the sense of true wisdom. What Satan was promising our first parents was false wisdom being independent of God, being smarter than God. It was all about selfish ambition. You know, the devil's sugar-coated deception to them was, eat this fruit because it's going to make you really smart. You'll be just like God. Your mind will be on the same level as his. In fact, you'll you'll become so great, you'll be just like him. Mm -hmm. Promising this false wisdom to them. And of course, they bit the fruit. They took the bait, and it ended in disaster and discord. Mm -hmm. And likewise, when we possess this false wisdom and we think we are more intelligent than everyone else, when we put ourselves on a pedestal too high and we selfishly pursue our own ambitions, it leads to disaster. No matter how good it may sound to us, it ends in disaster, and it is a tool that the enemy uses to try to sow disunity among God's church. So Chris, help us to understand this a little better and give us some clarification. Yeah, and as we've been reading through the book of James, uh, that one of my favorite things about the book of James actually is how layered it is. It, it, you know, it's, it's all 
brought together and, and you can look at the chapter we're in right now and go all the way mm-hmm. back to the first chapter with it because right. he's, he's reiterating everything it, even as he's bringing up these new ideas and these new topics is all still layered together and, and keeping the same tone throughout it. So, you know, or take talking about the last two episodes that we've had, uh, taming the tongue, it, it really kind of goes with this as well as we continue on in chapter three, that sometimes we should just keep our mouth shut and let our actions speak. That's wise, right. you know, and, and I think we talked about that before when we brought up this this quote from someone that that was saying, you know, it's better to keep your mouth shut and let people think you're a fool than open it and then people realize you really are a fool. Right. And, and so true wisdom is just, you know, live it. And mm-hmm. you go back and look at, you know, the faith and works talk that we've had and and discussed that that look at my faith my faith will be evident it'll be shown by the way that i'm living and so again he's kind of calling us to action here when it comes to our life and following god that true wisdom which true wisdom can only be found in god will be shown in how we live our lives so you know keep your mouth shut you don't if you have to tell people time and time again, I'm wise, I'm smart, I'm <laughs> great, uh, I'm, I'm the bee's knees, yeah. uh, you're probably not. Uh, right, yeah. And, you know, the, the wisest people I've known, the wisest people I've met, I've never heard them once brag about how good they are and how wise they are because they just live life. They follow the will of God. They seek his glory, not their glory. And you see that wisdom of God pouring out of them. And they never have to say, look at how wise I am. I just know they're wise. And so keep your mouth shut and let your actions speak. And another reason I think we should keep our mouth shut, and this kind of goes into that whole understanding of taming the tongue as well, is our Words are influenced by our feelings a lot of times. When when we speak, sometimes we don't think. We just say some things. Right. And what's bad about that is our feelings change, but God's truth does not. And, and so it's better to just live by God's truth. We don't have to throw a whole lot of words at it and and follow that. Follow God's truth. And don't stray. Don't let our words stray, make us stray. Don't let our words make others stray. Just live mm-hmm. in God's wisdom, live in God's truth, and let your actions show your faith. Uh, but when your words go against Scripture, which is God's unchangeable truth, then I, I believe you're speaking demonic wisdom. And that's what we're we're talking about, this true wisdom versus this false demonic wisdom. And this demonic wisdom, it's it's bad. It leads others right. astray. And, and that's something that Paul actually warns Timothy about. And as many people often like to say that the Bible contradicts itself, they try and say that Paul and Peter were really going at it a lot of times. But every time I read through the book of James, I see a lot of Paul's points as well. 
come together perfectly because they're both led by the same spirit. But Paul warns Timothy this now in, in first Timothy chapter four, verse one through three. Now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, though the insincerity of liars whose conscience, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. And so simply put, all of this stuff that James is saying about this false wisdom, this demonic wisdom, is it denies the truth of Scripture and it leads many astray. And that happens when we do focus on ourselves, when we focus more on worldly things and sensual things right. rather than spiritual things, is it leads people astray. Because again, when we're talking about our feelings, when we're talking about the things of this world, there's one thing that's constant here in this world, and that is change. And so we we mix up this standard of truth when we're looking for truth in a worldly sense. Because things continue to change, things are constantly different, uh, and and we could actually put a pin on this passage, I think, and cover demonic doctrines in several other episodes. We could probably do a whole year of demonic doctrines. Oh yeah, that's because sure. there's so many. Like for example, here's here's demonic doctrines that good works equal salvation. Uh, mm. Another one is you can lose your salvation. Or Jesus was an archangel. These these are all things that Christian denominations, and I I put quotations around Christian in yeah. this instance, but Christian these Christian denominations will will tell you you know it's all about your works and you can lose your salvation. There's no such thing as the security of the believer. And Jesus was an archangel, which you know that's a that's one of those Jehovah Witnesses uh, beliefs. Yeah, but there's so many things that we can say are the doctrines of demons that are leading people that are truly trying to seek after God, but are leading them astray. But mm -hmm. if we even dive down on a more secular level, these these doctrines of demons are very prevalent in our culture today, and it, it's like this: we're told what in our culture today to follow your desires. Yeah. Focus, focus on yourself. Don't worry about everyone else. Don't worry about whether someone else thinks it's right or wrong, or if this is popular mm -hmm. or unpopular, however you feel today, that's what you need to follow. Follow your desires or this idea. Truth is subjective. <laughs> I hate it when I hear people say that, well, that's mm -hmm. your truth. That's your truth, especially when I'm speaking on the Bible, because, you know, that isn't my truth. That's God's truth. I right, don't get right. to change that. It doesn't change with my feelings. God's truth remains the same. It's unchangeable. But what's, I don't know a good way to say it, but what's stupid about that, <laughs> about your truth and my truth, is if our truths are contradicting each other, then one has to be a lie. At least yeah. one, if not both. Yeah, yeah, right. And so truth is subjective. That's another uh, doctrine, demonic doctrine that's uh, 
pushed forward in the world today. Uh, some some very visible ones. Here's here's one. This is unpopular to talk about. Let's see if we can get kicked off of Spotify or something with this one. <laughs> but boys can be girls, or girls can be boys. You know that's that's a demonic doctrine. That's mm-hmm. that's a complete lie. Biologically, it's a lie. Scientifically, when we when we discuss what that means, it's it's just completely a lie. And that's actually that's something that's based in that one doctrine of demons that I was talking about earlier, following your desires. You know, Mm -hmm. I desire today to be a girl or I desire today to be a boy. It's not how that works. You were created for a purpose. You must serve in that purpose. But do you see how easy it is to point out these doctrines of demons? There's, There's a wide variety of them. There's so many doctrines of demons. There's so many false doctrines, so many, so many things that claim to be sources of wisdom that are truly just sources of false wisdom. And that's because there's only one true source of wisdom. And there's hundreds of thousands of even millions of doctrines of demons that surround us. But as surely as there is demonic wisdom, there is wisdom from above, and that's what we really need to focus on. Right. And and when you're focusing on this, it's easier to see these these false doctrines and repel them and stay away from them. But let us continue reading and, and look at this true wisdom here, this wisdom from above that we see in James chapter 3, verse 17 through 18, where he writes, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so do you see the contrast here? This demonic, worldly, sensual wisdom brings about disorder. It brings about chaos, as you said, Brother right. Brandon, which the devil loves. And that's mm-hmm. why it's called that demonic wisdom, because it really pushes forward the devil's will and not God's will. But wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle. It's understanding. It's full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Demonic wisdom brings disorder but wisdom from above brings peace and that's how you see it and that's that's what i like about reading james again you see these layers upon layers as as he brings all of these thoughts together and keeps them close together and we get you know a wide variety of thoughts but they're all based in the same area and so you go back and you look at the faith and works idea um, and you you kind of see it put out here again is that just as faith is able to be seen by your works so is wisdom wisdom's able to be seen here and what it produces because if it's a false wisdom if it's a demonic wisdom it is seen because it causes chaos and disorder but if it is a godly wisdom a wisdom from above it can also be seen because it brings in peace it brings in unity and those are the Mm -hmm. things that we know are god's will that he wants to see and and 
it makes you wonder why there's no peace in this world too. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we have, well, I can't remember the exact percentage right now because it's like that, like everything always changes in this world. The percentages of those that claim to be Christians in the United States changes from year to year. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember one of the latest numbers was about between 70 to 80% of people in the United States claim to be Christian, claim to be followers of Christ. And what doesn't make sense to me is that if 70 to 80% of Christians claim to be followers of Christ in the United States, why don't we see peace? Hmm. And it's a good question. Yeah. And I think it's simply because as you were saying, the devil, he, he really wanted to, to bring in disorder and chaos in the garden. And he also wants to bring disorder and chaos into the church. I think he's done that. Oh, I yeah, think he's absolutely. invited the doctrines of demons into churches. And there's a lot of churches that focus on their feelings, that, that focus on their truths, that focus mm-hmm. on their traditions and refuse to submit to the true wisdom and truth of God. But I, I like what Solomon writes about knowledge and wisdom in Proverbs chapter one, verse one through seven. It it really sticks with me. But if you really want wisdom, stop searching for for all of these philosophers throughout the ages. Don't even look at your pastor for wisdom. I mean, listen to what he's saying. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Listen to what he's saying, but go back to the word of God. Compare it to the word of God, because the only place you'll find true wisdom is not in yourself, not in your pastor, not in any other person of this world. You'll only find true godly wisdom, which yields peace in God. Right. And so we see Solomon, he writes in Proverbs chapter one, verse one through seven, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and destruction. And so true wisdom first starts here when you submit to God. And that word fear right there that we use quite often to fear the Lord is to have a healthy respect for his position, for who he is and what he has done. And so to respect God, to submit to him, to understand who he is and to know that he knows best and follow his will. That is where true wisdom starts, and that is where you find peace. So submit to God's wisdom, and you will find peace. And I think that's what we want, right? We absolutely we scream in the streets as we tear down our cities. Peace, peace, we want peace. But we're looking to our feelings, we're looking to, to political affairs, we're, we're looking in all the wrong places for peace. But if you want peace, submit to God's wisdom. And you're going to find it. But if you submit to the world's wisdom, here's what you're going to find. Chaos and destruction. What do you think about that, brother? 
That's exactly right. And I appreciate your good explanation of these verses here, um, especially how, you know, James continues to draw out this point that who we truly are will come out by the life we live and what we possess or what we don't possess will be shown in the way we live. Mm -hmm. If we have this false wisdom, as James has already said, then we'll be characterized by jealousy and selfish ambition, uh, the very opposite of, you know, godly wisdom. Mm -hmm. But he returns in verses 17 to 18 to what true wisdom looks like. You know, he he, he, uh, likewise says, if you have true wisdom, here's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Here's how it's going to show up in your life. And very simply put, without explaining every single virtue mentioned in verse 17, James just simply says that true wisdom is manifested by all of these godly internal and external fruits. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be jealous. You're not going to be characterized by selfish ambition. Instead, right. your life is going to show that you're pure, that that you're not motivated by sin or the selfish pursuing of your goals. Right. It's going to show up in you being peaceable with others, mm-hmm. gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, which is something James already addressed before in the sin of partiality, right. and sincere. It's going to be a totally different change of life. Mm-hmm. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be proven by the life that you live, uh, whether or not you have this true wisdom. And it seems that he makes this point in conclusion in verse 18 when he says that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Really what James is saying here is that when you have this true wisdom, it leads to a consistently and comprehensively righteous life. Mm -hmm. If you have God's true wisdom and you're serving others, you're engaging in peacemaking and remaining humble, all the marks of possessing true wisdom, what you're going to do is sow good seed in your life, and it's going to produce a whole harvest of righteousness. Yeah. This is really just true wisdom on display. You you don't have to say that you have wisdom if you show you have wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what James is saying here. Yeah. What do you think, brother Chris? Yeah, I think I think that really is the major point there. You, you don't have to say you have it if you show that you have it. Absolutely. And and I think this is a point reiterated not just through the book of James, but through all of scripture is that you, your faith will be evident. Your your wisdom will be evident in the way that you live and I would encourage you that the only way to live here in this world is to live faithfully seeking after God's will. But I want to thank you all for joining us once more for another episode on the Faith 168 podcast. And both Brother Brandon and I want to encourage you to go out and live faithfully for Christ all 168 hours of this next week, dispelling these false doctrines or doctrines of demons and focusing on true wisdom that comes only 
from above. So we thank you for joining us right here at Faith 168 today. And we'll go ahead and dismiss with prayer, and we will see you next week. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day and all that you have blessed us with. And I thank you for this podcast, allowing Brother Brandon and I to be able to meet together and worship you through Uh, reading your word together and sharing your word with those that are listening. I just pray that as we continue on throughout our week, that we walk in your true wisdom, that we seek your peace in all situations that we face, and just give us the courage and the strength to live faithfully for you these next 168 hours and bring us back together so that we can worship you once more here at this podcast on Faith 168, Father. And I just thank you once more for your blessings. I thank you for your grace, for your kindness. I thank you for your wisdom that you give us daily. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, Message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.